Y'all ready for part two? Let's go. Put that coffee down. Breaking down sales calls. It's still not my favorite thing, but I've gotten like really good at it. And I train just on that, like these little things over and over again. Two of the master things that I, I teach, and I'm actually going to do a class on this soon. I'm, I got a class here in, inside of my free Facebook group in 14 minutes, but we teach sensory acuity and behavioral flexibility, like mm. acute sensitivity, like to somebody's tone. There's like, yeah, or yeah, you know, it's like, like people don't hear stuff because they're focused on the next question and not, you know, yeah. feeding things back. And so that, that little bit, and a lot of it comes from being self-conscious, conscious of yourself, as opposed to being connected. And so you have to kind of disappear and really connect with that person. And so you have to know what you're going to say and know your outcome, know where you want to take somebody because you're leading somebody. But I always said this, exactly. it's like, I'm, if I'm trying to lead somebody to a sale, they're going to feel that. So I always said for me, my target, I wasn't trying to you know, push somebody to take action or even make a decision. I thought what precedes actions, decisions, what, what precedes that are thoughts and feelings. And so mm. all behavior is preceded by an emotion. And so I could say, you know, Matt, well, here's, here's what you might want to think about or have you stopped to consider this? And so, so I have these targets. So I know there's six human needs, certainty, uncertainty, you know, connection, significance, growth, contribution, and I'll be able to ferret out somebody's values, like what they really want, you know, and figure out those gaps. And I'll, you know, I'm aligning with them, but I'm also pulling apart those gaps, but I'm really trying to get them. I'm clear what I want them thinking and feeling about themselves, about me, mm. about the environment, about the timing. It's like, hey, since we're all home, there's a short window of opportunity. So there's not fake scarcity, like, hey, only got three spots left. It's like, hey, because there's a real window of opportunity, everybody's coming online right now. And that window is going to, you know, it's like the gold rush. It is going to close. And every day people are coming in, still good now, but you want to be ahead of the curve. Every single day, more and more people are going to be ahead of you, you know? And so, and yeah. then here's a, you want to hear a really good analogy that I used to Please. use a lot in the seminar? I'd say, I remember it was right around the, uh, the Olympics. And I'd say, who here likes the Olympics? You know, who here likes sports? And a lot of people are like, yeah, whatever. Say so also, I'm like obsessed with that. I love this stuff. And I, what I think is fascinating is like you have the best in the world and we all want to be really great, but these people are like so freaking good. They've dedicated their whole entire lives to this, this outcome. And in the Olympics, you have the person that gets the gold or in the first place. And then what separates the first place and the loser, the last place person, say 10th place, is often like a fraction of a second could be like, like a 10th of a second, winner versus loser. And you and I will probably never go to the Olympics. We're probably never going to play professional sports. Business is our sport. Business is our game. And mm. what's interesting is, is imagine this, imagine there's two people, they get all the information and one person takes action and they just run with it. The other person says, oh, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to wait two weeks. They come back two weeks later. Has the information no, changed? No. Only thing is they're two weeks behind the other person that implemented. And mm. so if you want to guarantee yourself failure, take time to, to wait and think about everything, you know, you're just always going to be behind. And so people mm. like I'm telling these stories and analogies where it's like, yeah, you got to decide. And so I would do this whole thing anchoring to identity. 
I did this, um, this bit around that book, Think and Grow Rich. I'd say out of all these 17 yeah. principles, number one principle that holds people back, you know, the one that they can tell is going to guarantee you success or failure, it's decision-making ability. When you call a company, you ask for the what maker. It's right decision maker. Write that down. And I'd have people write down and say, in business, anybody who can't make a decision is useless. Write that down. People who can't make yeah. decisions are useless. And so if you want to connect with decision makers and be in rapport with them, people like people who are like themselves. So if you want to connect with a decision maker, you have to be a what? And by the end of my talk, people are like, I'm a decision maker. I'm a decision maker. I'm a decision, I'm a decision maker. maker. And then okay, at the end, it's, <laughs> it's pretty hard not to make a decision at the end. You know, can you been jumping up and down and all this stuff? Yeah. So slumps, what are they? How do they work? Obviously a slump is when you're just going through and you're doing your thing, you're just not getting the result, you know, which then starts, starts to snowball into yeah. you questioning everything about yourself. And then you, um, yeah, you think you're a piece of shit. You think you can't sell. You start to second question everything. Then you usually start to try and develop your way out of it. So you go and buy a course and then you change the way you do things. And then all of a sudden it's been two months and you haven't made all sales and you're questioning everything there is about life. Mm. Um, so how do we avoid that? How do we stop it from happening? And if we do find ourselves in the slump, what do we do about it? Well, I think the, the biggest thing and uh, something that we've worked on is not how to get out of slumps, but it's how to acknowledge that we're slightly becoming, you know, below our average. And when you sort of dip below that average, it, it can snowball, as you said. So it's more for us is about putting in preventative measures to stop someone falling into a slump in the first place, because it's a lot easier to prevent it from happening than get out of one. I totally agree. And we do that in a, a quite a few ways. I think for me, yeah. as a salesperson, I'll talk about avoiding slumps first, because I think it's, it's prevention is cure. The easiest thing is to be consistent in yourself. Mm -hmm. So like the eating, the training, the health, the whatever things you need to do to put yourself in like the best state every single day. Mm -hmm. I don't think that you need to be in like quote unquote flow states or any of that bullshit to be good at selling or to be productive. It's just like whatever you need to do to feel good about yourself. Yeah. Like just do that because you will sell more if you feel good about yourself, if you have more confidence, all that kind of stuff. Right. Also potentially having a workspace that you feel happy to be in. Mm. Okay. Like this is a temporary workspace. It's okay. I don't particularly like it that much. I like my office much better. I feel much more creative in my office. I feel like I would sell better in my office because that's like my space. Yeah, having some that. triggers, having some triggers, I think is key. Like whether you always wear a particular bracelet or a ring or a hat or something like that, that you can have to like put yourself into that sales mode every time it was, it's like why bedtime routines work. Like you do the same thing. It sets up your brain to release the same chemicals and do the same actions and that kind of stuff. So I think like consistency is like step number one. And step number two is like realizing that you can hit red 10 times in a row playing roulette and it makes it no more likely to hit red the next time. Mm -hmm. And so what I mean by that is that you can be really, really good at sales and you can get 10 no's in a row. It doesn't make the next one any more likely or less yeah. likely to get a no because you might hit 50 yeses in a row. And then all yeah. you would remember is that you went 50 from 60, which is incredible. You just don't remember the first 10 was 0 for 10. Yeah, it's, it's a conversation. It's not compounding interest. Exactly. And so like for me, what really helped me just get rid of slumps and never have them? I, I think like I, don't, I haven't had a slump in over a year where I wasn't consistently closing at a really good rate. 
I might have had three or four no's in a row, but then I made it up with like 10 yeses, right? So, yeah, but that's, that's not a yeah. sign, you know? Yeah. It's just exactly three or four people that happen to say no. Yeah. You know? I don't think the seafood was too far off when he told people to dress in black, tell people they're growth experts, and just DM the living f- out of everybody. It's not a terrible strategy. Um, I think it was just overdone, overplayed, and the people who were doing it were not that well trained, right? So, um, because they were new to sales, like how can you be that well trained when all you do is do a short course, right? It doesn't work. Like, what are some ways that, you know, we, we can actually start to create some attention extra to get some people? And one of the things I think you don't want to do is, you know, call yourself a guru, f- shwami, rapid, hockey stick growth expert in scaling businesses yada 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 through your sales like it's not true you don't know how to do that you can just get people to buy stuff like that's it's not let's not church it up right we just get people to buy stuff okay that doesn't mean you're a scaling expert in any way shape or form or a business growth expert okay so business owners can see that bullshit a mile away so just stay away from it i've covered this before but it might cost 100 200 300 2000 3000 dollars to get people on a sales call so like just by telling people that you're coming and work for commissions only one there's no point of difference there and two like it's not free they're still paying for the leads or paying for the person to generate the leads probably both in most cases so like when you just come on and say hey listen i'll do it for 10 percent comms only there's no risk no there is a risk because you might be you might lose them a lot of money. But Matt, what do you do? Well, son, there are a few options. But tip number one, which is going to get the most amount of attention, is that you pay for all the leads that you don't close. So you got to zip, throw a big old sales dig on the table, and you have to tell them. You got to put your money where your mouth is. Hey, man, I will pay for the leads that I don't close. Give me a week. Try me out. Let's do this. Just throw me in the lines then and I'll figure it out. I've yet to see somebody come at me with that. Okay? Um, But it would make me pay attention because, like, I'll hold people to that. If it costs me $500 to get that lead and you don't close them, you are paying me $500. That's what I did, right? One of the very first accounts that I ever had, I really, really wanted it. It was a big step up from what I was previously selling, which was like really, really cheap, you know, fitness stuff, which was still good. I think it's a good place to start. The guy wasn't really convinced. And so I was like, hey man, let me ask you a question. Like, what does it cost you to get someone on a sales call? It's 400 bucks. All right, cool. I'll pay you 400 bucks every for every person I don't close. Just give me one week. Give me like 10 sales calls. I'll bang it in. I think he gave me seven sales calls. I sold six, right? And I made $12,000 commission that week. I offered him the $400 for the one that I didn't close. He wouldn't take it. But, you know, I made $12,000 in comms that week. I ended up doing about two, just over $2 million in five months worth of sales for that client. And he paid me $176,000 in commissions. And all that came from me, one, like relentlessly following up with that dude, like relentlessly. And then two was putting my own money on the line and backing myself that I was going to produce results and there was going to be no risk to you. And so like, that's definitely a big boy maneuver. It's not something that I recommend for everybody, but if you are confident in your abilities and you think that you can sell it and you really want to work for that person or really want to sell that program, like that's a very, very good way to stand out of the crowd because not a lot of people are willing to do that. But Matt, where did you find this guy? 
where, where was he? Did he magically fall out of thin air? Well, no, he didn't. So I used to hang out in all the forums on Facebook and all the kind of places and, you know, and all the hashtags where business owners who, who need uh, remote sales reps hung out. And then I would, I would try and create connections and I would talk to people. And every single time there was a job opportunity posted, I would hit them up, hit everyone up, DM them and just like go after it and, and treat it like it's a sale. It is a sale. You have to sell yourself. So treating it like anything else is ridiculous. Like you've got to go in there. You're a salesperson. You need to find your avatar and sell them. All right, guys. So we have six phases of a sale. Number one, if we, if we have a look at it as a waterfall, it's a picture, if you will, a beautiful cascading waterfall. You hear the birds tripping. Can you hear them? The beginning of the waterfall is the problem. And the end of the waterfall, where you see the beautiful rainbows and the unicorns and all that kind of stuff, big splashing water, is the actual sale. It's the action itself. We need to have a figure out a way to consistently push people through all the way down to the water trickles all the way down and makes the big beautiful sale at the end. Okay, so the first thing we have is the problem. The next thing we have is the what. The next part of the sequence is the why. Then we have the consequence. Then we have the commitment. And then we have the action. You cannot have action without all of the preceding steps, okay? It's very, very important. We have to have every single step. And that's why having a sales process is absolutely vital. Without a step-by-step -step process, all you're gonna do is just miss things along the way. And when I coach people, I see it all the time. They're like, why can't I handle objections? It's like, well, like, yeah, you wanna be able to handle objections and you wanna be able to have those loops and those hooks and those reframes there at the go, but like, at the end of the day, like if you haven't done the work, if you haven't built the scaffolding, then you can't get up there, okay? You need the foundations. When I say problem, like what is it? By this, I mean like it's the main obstacle that's in the way of the person achieving their outcome. So what's the biggest struggle? What's the problem? Once you have that, then you can really start saying, like I was doing a role play the other day in our in our Facebook group, which is free, which just hit a thousand members, yay. So make sure you go in there, I'll, I'll, I'll put the link in the description, it's called the closing code. But I was doing a role play and I do like an hour or two hour role play once a week, right? Just all for free. And then the guy was like, okay, all you need is a problem. So I was like, everybody raise your hand if you have a problem. I was like, you, what's your problem? And then he was like, oh, I need to overcome objections better. What objections do you struggle to overcome? Let's think about it, okay. And like, what, if anything, have you been doing in order to help yourself get better at overcoming objections? Do you like the way that you are learning? So all I needed to do was grab a problem and then I literally sold him live into a program on the role play. And I was only able to do this because I understood the problem. And then I had the cascading series of events that happens when you want to get a sale. As soon as I get a problem, I can immediately go straight into my process. So once you have the problem and it's got to be the real problem, and that's sort of the big caveat on this is that it's got to be the real problem. Then you can move on to the what, okay? The what is the tangible tie down that you get when you solve the problem. Let's, let's say it's I want to, you know, exit from my nine to five and become a, you know, a online entrepreneur. It's like the problem is a lack of knowledge, a lack of realizing or a lack of knowing how to do it. Okay, the what is like, okay, when you're able to do that and you're able to learn the skills and you are able to actually become an online entrepreneur, then what happens? What's the tangible tie down? Well, I'd be able to spend more time with my family. I'd be able to have more freedom. Okay, that makes sense. You know, it could be a dream home, it could be whatever, but it has to be something tangible that they actually want, okay? All right, guys, so you got two main categories of objections. One is fear, the other is logistical. If you treat one like the other, 
you will not get a sale. And I'll explain why. If you treat a logistical like a fear, you're gonna push them too far and you're gonna make them uncomfortable. They're gonna start to think that you care about the sale more than you care about them. Very, very unproductive. They're gonna end up just ghosting you or just not proceeding or getting a little bit angry with the process. And if you treat a fear like a logistical, then you're not gonna be able to take them far enough down the road to shift the way they think into actually taking actions on the problems that they have. What do we do? Step one, we treat everything like logistical until it is not. The reason why we do this is because once we've gone through fear, we can't really go into logistical, so we have to treat the logistical thing first. I'll give you an example. Let's say that you get a, I wanna check my finances objection. Okay, we hear that one all the time. It's a ridiculous objection. I could ask every single one of you out there at YouTube land exactly how much money you have in your account, you'd be able to tell me. So the first thing is don't buy into that narrative. That's ridiculous, okay? Second thing is we have actually got two objections. We've got a money and a think about it. They need to think about the money. They're gonna check their finances, okay? So we're gonna deal with money first. Money is a more straightforward objection, so we're gonna deal with that. Once we deal with the money objection, and we're gonna treat it as logistical, then we can go into the think about it, which is probably more of a fear-based objection, so we can get to that next. That's an example of how I would, I guess, sort of go through and identify what it is I'm actually dealing with, okay? So what we're doing is we're treating it all as logistical. So let's say we get a money, go, I just really need to, I really need to check the finances. I really need to have a bit of a think about this. Oh, I don't I don't know. It's like it's a lot of money. Then what you would do is step one is get on the same side of the table. I've gone over this before. I have a podcast, which I'll link in the description, which goes deep into specific different types of objection handling. Um, but you has, should have some usual loops and some way that you deal, deal with certain objections like money, partner, think about it, all that kind of stuff. Um, that bring them to like the, the people who have logical issues or like logistical issues to bring them to the point where you can try an open wallet test where you should be able to get either a deposit, a payment plan or a drop sale. You should have those loops in play. If you don't, you know, I'm sure down here, once you've done your job, you should be able to then get them to a stage where they're opening their wallet and doing something. Hope you enjoyed that guys. That's a compilation of all the best stuff that we've done all year in terms of YouTube and podcasting, like kind of good stuff. Hope you liked it. Hope you had a great year. Make sure you smash 2022, all that kind of good stuff. My best to you and your family. I hope you guys absolutely kill it. If you want to find out more about us, make sure you go down into the description, go onto the website, salesniper.net. We've got a merch store launching soon, all kinds of good fun stuff. So I hope you guys have a fantastic new year and smash 2022. Thanks guys, bye. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only.